Gleeks, losers, nerds, and nerds that like to pretend that they're cool kids. Welcome back to the choir room, our very first official episode. And I, my, my name is Amon. My name is Matt. And we are here to recap the pilot episode of the hit Fox uh, comedy musical series, Glee. Super duper excited. Um, to be covering this and rewatching the show after a while. I actually have not seen this episode in about like maybe like a year and a half. So it's a, it's a bit fresh in my mind. When's the last time that you watched this episode? Uh, besides, of course, today. Well, I, I did my rewatch a couple months ago. So I, uh, I have seen it pretty recently. But by the time you get to the end of that rewatch, so obviously I went all the way through. Uh, it's just like things kind of completely escape your mind again. And, you know, however many times I've seen this episode, I'm still seeing things for the first time. Okay, so right off the bat, like, something that I noticed that I guess I had forgotten about was the inclusion of regular music in the soundtrack for this episode, um, because they typically don't do that, like, anymore throughout the series. Um, I forget the name of the song. I guess I should have looked up the name of the song before we started the podcast. Um, but it was um, it wasn't like the typical transition acapella glee music that you do see throughout the episode, but it was an actual recorded song, and it really gave the episode that um, bit of like early two thousand tens vibe television. There, they don't exactly know everything that they're trying to go for. They don't really know what the tone is um, for the series yet. But it's something that I found kind of striking. I don't know if you had any thoughts about that. Matt. Yeah, they did a couple times. I noticed that a, a couple of the songs they used in like those transition spots were songs that they will be covering on future episodes. Uh, keep, you keep mm-hmm. me hanging on. Obviously, that's going to be a Quinn cover uh, coming up. Then uh, there was another one that I know that they perform at one of the competitions this season uh, that I flagged up. So yeah, they they definitely are uh, throwing some hints in early on here about what's going to be coming. Uh, very first co- uh, character that we see. Mr. Will Schuster driving this broke-down-ass car. They're really driving it home that, okay, this guy clearly doesn't have a lot of money. Um, he has, uh, like, I don't even know what the part of that car is called. The fender, I don't fucking know. Uh, dragging along the uh, parking lot ground as he's driving into his parking spot. And we get to see him sort of reminisce about the past Glee Club that was directed by Lillian Adler. We see her face throughout the series. And she has a placard in the hallway talking about how Glee is about opening yourself up to joy. So we sort of we sort of get to see this starry-eyed, younger, more optimistic Will Schuster just ready to take over the Glee Club. And uh, how, are we, how are we feeling about Will Schuster so far? Yeah, so Will Schuster is going to be the, the guy that this story is about for at least this first part of the season, definitely for this first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're learning the story of this, you know, this is the pilot episode, which, of course, they have to name pilot. Anyway, so, yeah, this is going to be the story of Will Schuster, who was a former member of his Glee Club at his high school, uh, which was, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, the director was Lillian Adler, who, for some reason, we're going to keep seeing her picture from now until the end, of, until the finale. Her, uh, she's just gonna keep coming up, and uh, and she's not going anywhere. Uh, her little plaque is is not at the very least. 
So yeah, his story is going to start off with uh, a little bit of his backstory and what he's doing here, what he wants to get going, and we're going to meet all the characters that seem to be in Will Schuster's world. Yeah, this season is very well will centric and it starts to to veer off eventually towards the students but it is something that i think a lot of older uh glee fans liked about the show was because it was sort of like um told from an adult perspective because one thing that i've started to notice as the series progresses is when it does get a little bit more kid centric a lot of the older audience tends to drop off and they're like i just don't like it the same much that much anymore and i'm like i always wondered if it had to do with the fact that it wasn't so much about the adults and more so about the kids Uh, but nevertheless we do get introduced to uh, sue sylvester and emma pillsbury in the teacher's lounge and the first thing that i thought was um wow emma's a bit shady and that's like right off the bat uh sue makes um a comment about how she is uh wants the budget for her cheerios to remain the same because they're they're athletes and they're they're performers and emma pillsbury is like since when are cheerleaders considered athletes and i'm like wow (laughs) because they write they write her to be so like you know so kind and caring and thoughtful and insightful throughout the rest of the series that i forgot that you know she has a bit of a of a snarky side to her as well so i was like wow okay okay and sue seemed to sue seemed to be the one that was you know more sympathetic and I was like, wow, what a change this is about throughout the rest of the series. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Emma doesn't even think about any of the stuff that she's saying before she says it. I feel like that's going to be something that kind of sticks with her. She's just, you know, her brain works in one way. uh, And that's just, you know, that's that's what it is, whether it's what she's saying or what she's cleaning. uh, You know, she knows what she's about to do before she even does it. And uh, it doesn't really take a whole lot of forward thinking to uh, to get her to that point. But yeah, so we're going to be in the teacher's lounge here. And not only do we get, you know, a little bit of introduction about uh, the staff at William McKinley High School, uh, you know, our setting here. We're going to get a little bit about their relationships between them. It seems like there may be some crushing going on between Emma, from from Emma to Will. That seems pretty clear right off the bat. Uh, but then you also have the football coach, uh, the one season hit wonder, if, if that's what we want to call him, uh, Ken Tanaka, <laughs> who is, like I said, he's a football coach and he is big into Emma. Way big into Emma. And let me just say, this is not even just based off of his appearance. Well, we'll, we'll get to it eventually, but Ken Tanaka is dick disgusting and he lacks the self-awareness and it's just like i don't understand why he ever thought there was ever a chance between him and emma but ah i digress we also get to um the uh the the plot line about mckinley and their budget being severely cut by the district to the point where they can't even spend money on a coffee machine i was like how much money were you guys spending on coffee to begin with that you had to remove the coffee pot from the teacher's lounge due to budget cuts like this uh, is like they they really drive this whole the budget the budget the budget storyline throughout this entire this entire season and it's sort of it's sort of mind boggling. Yeah, I mean, in a way, uh, you know, obviously Sue Sylvester is going to be set up as the antagonist for the entire series, but it seems a little bit like right now the budget is, and uh, Principal mm-hmm. Figgins is standing in Will's way more than Sue Sylvester ever is at all in this episode. So we do get to meet Sue, and we do get to see what you know who she is and uh, what her role is here at the school, but we definitely don't meet Sue Sylvester uh, just no. yet. We'll, we'll get to that, I'm sure, in coming episodes, but right now it's just Will taking on Principal Figgins and the budget in terms of getting what he wants to accomplish off the ground so we get um we get word that uh a teacher known as sandy ryerson who was supposed to be uh teaching the glee club got fired apparently we don't hear why he got fired quite yet but then uh mr shu goes to principal figgins and says hey 
I really want to take over the Glee Club. I was a part of it when I was here. Kids really need it. They feel invisible. That's why they use social media. I think it'd be a really good idea. Of course, we already get immediate pushback from uh, Principal uh, Principal Sue, Principal Figgins, about uh, the budget and everything. But that does not stop him. He's like, I will pay for whatever I need to pay for out of pocket so far. I just want to get this thing running and off the ground. I need to hold some auditions. And the auditions are when we meet the first members of the new directions which was super duper exciting because this is you know these are the people that we're going to be spending time with for the next five six years so first right off the bat we uh we go to the auditorium and i believe it is mercedes goes up first yes mercedes jones and of, of course they have the big black girl singing aretha franklin which you know would make my eyes roll if uh, Amber Riley, the actress that plays Mercedes Jones, wasn't such a talented singer. Um, but I want to ask you, Matt, based off of the small snippet of the audition that we saw from Mercedes, does she get into your Glee Club or not? Oh, I, every single one of them do. But Mercedes is Mercedes is the start of the Glee Club. Like when you when you're doing these auditions, like the one that makes you that stands out here that should have made uh, Schuster go, oh, we have something here. Should have been Mercedes. Obviously, Rachel comes in a little later with pretty incredible ad- audition on her own. But when you see the star power that mm-hmm. is Mercedes, you don't just let that pass pass by and put her in the background, which uh, is where she's gonna be for a, a good majority of her time in this Glee Club. Yeah, I mean, Mercedes really, uh, she she is the heart and soul of the New Directions, and she has not shown the love that she deserves. Uh, next up, we have um, Mr. Kurt Hummel, who uh, has this very interesting rendition of Mr. Cellophone from the classic musical Chicago. And let me just say, you say every single one of these people mix it into your Glee Club, but I'm, t- I'm talking about my Glee Club without the restrictions of a budget and all of that. I don't think Kurt makes it in, because what he did with that song, I mean, what? <laughs> The long overhold note at the end of that, I was like, you know what? Too much. Too much. But the funny thing about that was, uh, as Will is taking notes, he's questioning whether or not he's gay. And as soon as he holds out that note, he's like, yeah, this, this, <laughs> this dude is gay. Which I'm wondering, like, does it matter? Like, why, 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 why was he writing that down? I wonder. They're, they're going for, uh, this is, you know, something that we know is going to happen a lot. Uh, throughout the season and throughout the series, but they're going for the cheap laughs. You know, they're going for uh, the person at home that is, you know, probably assuming this. Obviously, <laughs> we haven't fully met Kurt yet, so everybody at home, you know, watching this in 2009 is like, oh, this is probably the gay guy, right? Uh, Will Schuster mm-hmm. represents that and says, like, probably, right? And then within a couple seconds, he's like, yep, we uh, we know who Kurt is. Typecast, indeed. Next up, we got Miss Tina Cohen Chang uh, singing uh, a very, very hardcore rendition of Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl and dressed to the nines in uh, gothic apparel right on down to the eyeliner and the skull cap and the gloves and the skirt and the fishnets and the, and the, and the boots, combat boots and the gyrations and the striking of the <laughs> groin area as she's t- singing this, uh, this song. And I'm like, wow. Once again, we'll we'll be we'll a bit with Tina. This is not the same Tina that we'll that we get to know throughout the series, but this is Tina Cohen Chang. What is what's your first impression of Tina Cohen Chang? Yeah, Tina Cohen Chang with a stutter. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts, but it's uh, that's who she is. She's coming in here with a very distinct look. Tina's coming in here representing all the goths. You know, she's like I said, she's got that stutter. So maybe I, I don't know. I did say every person makes it in, but I'm also coming at it from the perspective of <laughs> I get that Will needs every single person in the club. I mean, yeah, I'm later not, on I'm we're gonna, we're gonna have uh, Sugar Sugar join the Glee Club, and uh, she is not the best singer uh, by a mile. And so, you know, it doesn't seem like they tried to let people not make it in. 
So Tina's going to make it in. Uh, they're all going to make it in. But, uh, you know, I guess if I had to make one cut, it's probably Tina here. Then uh, almost last and certainly not least, we have Rachel Berry singing uh, On My Own from what she calls the seminal classic Les Miserables. You know what? The editing, okay, the editing clearly was in her favor, okay, because we get little snippets of the rest of these kids singing their songs, and then we have, like, a whole slow pan of the camera, a whole monologue from Miss Rachel Berry, and she sounds stunning. I mean, Leah Michelle is a talented-ass actress, and, uh, I mean, I mean, what, what can you say about Miss Rachel Berry? We get a little bit more backstory as she's singing her song about how it was she who was the person that got Sandy Ryerson fired as he saw, you know what, rightfully so, because Sandy Ryerson was seen, like, caressing yeah, the abdomen was, he, of n- not some, great. Not great at all. Not great at all. So, yeah, she gets him fired. Mr. Chu takes over. It's all because she wanted the solo. She didn't really care too much about him being caressed. She just wanted the solo that the, that the other kid got. And that other kid just mysteriously disappears. I guess he's sort of just, you know, after getting caressed by Sandy Ryerson, he just was done with the glee for the rest e- of the time. Either transferred or sent to a new school, sent to therapy or something. Obviously, he had been through an emotional uh, thing. And I'm sure it was shocking to him when he found out through uh, maybe Rachel Berry or through like a principal meeting that he was caressed. It seemed like maybe he had no idea. And then he found out uh, from from <laughs> Rachel handling business for him. But yeah, so Ra- Rachel takes care of all this. She uh, she gets him out of the way so that uh, somebody else can come in and give her the solos uh, that she deserves. And we do get a lot of uh, a, a lot of introduction to Rachel here. We're going to get a little bit of introduction to to some of the main characters. So I guess not our, our background friends here, which sadly are, uh, you know, includes Mercedes and Kurt and all those guys. But uh, we are going to get to know Rachel a little bit. Just a, a very long monologue backstory, which I mean, both of us have a lot of experience in the theater world. So uh, when this mo- mm-hmm. when Rachel starts monologuing here, I'm like, I've definitely heard somebody do this entire monologue in, at, at an audition before. Uh, and then she talks about how she posts uh, MySpace video every day to uh, to keep her talent alive and growing and obviously she's enjoying that but there are people that we're going to see sneaking uh, you know over in other parts of the school that are watching these videos and uh, laughing with her uh, laughing at her not with her yes yeah, so we get to see um, some unnamed cheerleaders on the bleachers in the gym on a laptop using the Wi-Fi that McKinley High School can mysteriously afford but can't afford coffee, pretty much leaving all of these uh, horrible and mean comments on Rachel's MySpace page. And I'm like, first of all, you're in the middle of you're in the middle of school, so why are you on the computer? Second of all, if you don't like Rachel, then why are you on her MySpace? Third of all, I don't have a third of all. Just they're, people, kid, they're bullies. Kids are these, these guys are, <laughs> these two are uh, some mean, or well, not two. I'm, I'm looking at obviously Quinn and Santana. Uh, we're going to mm-hmm. meet them here. Not with, uh, not with full introductions or anything like that just yet, but we do see them. No Brittany in sight just yet. She'll, uh, she, I don't believe has been, uh, I know. I, I was kind of shocked by that. I forgot. Yeah. I don't think she's been cast on the show just yet. I think that comes, uh, probably next episode. And uh, I, I was actually reading something right before we got on here that Quinn Fabray, uh, obviously actress Diana uh, Agron, is I think how you say it? Agron? Not Agron. Um, she was cast like sure. the day before uh, production began. So her role, or like I don't know if it was the role that specifically like was added the day before or if she just was cast the day before, whatever it was. Uh, so she was a very late addition to the cast. A lot of them tend to be late additions to the cast. They just kind of show up, maybe do a guest spot and then end up getting a full spot on the show. So uh, good for all those guys that ended up in one of those spots. But the Cheerios mm-hmm. are obviously on their own schedule here and just uh, being pretty terrible to Rachel. Very, very terrible to Rachel. Um, and then we get to see 
all of the new directions together in their very first um, rehearsal. And we get to see the last of the original five, which is Mr. Artie Abrams. We do not get to see his audition, which I always was pissed off about. That does get rectified later on. Mm-hmm. But for the time being, I was like, like, why don't we get to see him sing? Like, why do we just get this wheelchair kid just popping up out of nowhere? But they sort of rectify that with him being the person that has the first solo in Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat from the musical Guys and Dolls. Um, and you know what? They don't sound bad. They actually sound pretty good. The choreography could use some work, but it does end up being a train wreck towards the towards the end. And this sort of sends Rachel into a more spiral. I like. I I feel like this episode has like an entire season's worth of arcs. Like we have a Rachel storm out. We have. Well, we'll get to it. But <laughs> yeah, Rachel storms out and she goes to the bleachers and she tells Mr. Shu like, "Hey, like I don't want to spend." And this is when we start to really understand just how ambitious Rachel is. Like, I don't want to spend my time in high school being made fun of. I already am hated enough as it is. And now you want me to stick around with this glee club that is obviously two seconds away from being defunct. And we, we suck. We, we Our dancing is just ridiculous. Like, And I want to be a part of something that makes you special because being a part of something special makes you special. And you really sort of start to see the humanity in Rachel and as neurotic as she is, she has a goal and she wants to succeed. And yeah. Like. Why is she complaining so much? She could go back to being like the background singer of Sandy Ryerson's club where he's, you know, uh, touching all of the students and, and not giving her any attention. So like this is already much better. And it seems like it's only like day one, day two or something of this new Glee club. And she's already having a freak out that this isn't uh, going the way she wants it to. But that's right. Also. We get to see that, like, she talks about how her dad, you know, have been putting her in vocal lessons and dance lessons and all that shit since she was in diapers. Why don't you do outside productions? You mean there's, like, nothing going on in Lima where you can continue to hone your craft? Like, oh, I'm sure there I is, but it. they're not giving her solos. That's you know gotta what? be it. I mean, she's her her, her her star shines way too bright for all of these uh, little directors and people that are not official high school show choirs. That's where she wants to be. So, yeah, Rachel, so what you're saying is Rachel Berry has been kicked out of all of the other places in uh, mm-hmm. Lima, Ohio to celebrate the arts and now she her last resort is reviving this glee club it's gotta be you know, you know good theory so good i mean theory. that's that's where we're at here i mean we have both rachel and mr shu who were both you know both of them have this vision of what this glee club should be uh and mr shu is obviously the one who is running things and needs to be more on top of like you know he's working behind the scenes with uh with figgins about the budget and all this stuff but rachel is just she's got this vision in her head i'm the soloist i'm the lead i'm in front and this needs to go perfect i need to have everybody dancing and singing and we need to be all ready to go for sectionals tomorrow and that's not how this is going to work uh she doesn't need you know we have six people here or we don't even have six people yet we have five right now but we need to get everybody all uh, all straightened out first before we can get there rachel just needs to have a little more patience but we'll, we'll get there moving on we get introduced Miss Terry Schuster, Will Schuster's wife, who uh, works at a store called Sheets and Things. I guess it's like a store that's similar to like a Bed Bath and Beyond type mm-hmm. deal, selling like home fabrics and bedding and stuff like that. And right off the bat, we start to see the craziness that Will Schuster has to go home to him every night. And no wonder he wants to spend more time teaching a glee club because the bitch is crazy he tries her at work by bringing her some food and she's asking about whether or not there's mayonnaise in it because if she eats mayonnaise that's going to trigger her diabetes into coming back and if she hits a diabetic then she cannot have a baby 
Yeah, so we are, like you said, we just uh, met Terry Schuster, the amazing Jessalyn Gilsig, who is not going to be on this show anywhere near as long as I think she needs to be. And that's not, you know, to say, she she definitely gets a good amount of time on the show, but like, I w- if you could have me sign up for six seasons of Terry Schuster, uh, I would sign up or whatever her name, her maiden name would be after um, things aren't going to go too well for them. Terry Schuster is the funniest person here. Uh, she is just, you know, a whole mess. She has a perfect life seemingly at home. Uh, she's got a husband who, you know, cares about her and he obviously has dreams and passions that he cares about, but, you know, she can't have it be enough to have anything in her life be content where it is. She wants more. She wants to be the manager of this story she wants will to go be an accountant uh and and you know things aren't going exactly how she wants them to i just you know i i get into arguments about terry's character all of the time because uh there are so many people that sort of like relate to her um very 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 anxious personality very neurotic just very 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 i mean she she does such an egregious thing this season and i get into arguments so many times with people that sympathize with her and I, was, I could just never understand it. And then growing up as an adult and then sort of having to deal with my own anxieties, I'm like, wow, I really see her character in an entirely new light. So I'm sort of um, interested in watching this season now at this point in my life to see just how much Terry's actions will begin to make sense to me. We also see Sandy Ryerson in same sheets and things where he lets uh, uh, Will Schuster know that he is now selling pot on the side that since he's been fired uh, from McKinley High School. And it's actually quite lucrative for him. He says he makes four times more than he did as a teacher. And it's kind of funny to me because I'm, I'm rewatching a lot of shows from the early 2010s now. And the way that they deal with marijuana as if it's like the Black Plague and it's like, oh, my God, you sell marijuana. You're a drug dealer. Oh, my goodness. And to the point where now like almost like three-fourths of the country is like just legalizing it left and right. It's just sort of crazy a mere 10 years later just how the culture can shift so quickly for marijuana well can i tell you i mean like when i was in high school if i ever found out that like a friend of mine smoked weed like it was like i i looked at them did like, you they cut just them told, off i no, i didn't i uh, or actually no honestly i might have like <laughs> yep no i did i not exactly <laughs> like i just Dang, always looked at it because man. like you know me and i like don't drink don't smoke or anything like that um but when i was in high school for some reason i looked at all of that like if you're doing this, like you might as well be murdering somebody. Like how could you be a person who does things like that? And that's, I don't know why. I don't know why that was me. I don't know if it was just because I like bought into every single thing that they told you in school about how like, don't touch anything at all. Uh, I guess I did, but yeah, no, I definitely had friends who like, whenever they would go smoke weed, I'd be like, all right, well I'll talk to you in a week. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm not going to sit here and front act like I wasn't a part of that same culture. I definitely remember going to a party and there were a few kids that were out on the back smoking weed. And I went and went and found the host of the party, which is one of my good friends. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, they're smoking weed on your back porch. Like, what if your parents find out? And he's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? They're doing drugs. And so, yeah, like people I, would I, get I, equally mad at me for getting mad about it, which I mean, now I get why, because uh, I was being annoying as hell. But uh, at the time, like, I, I was just like, what is wrong with you? Why would you do this? Like. 
fine, go do that somewhere else. Uh, yeah. But it's just weed <laughs> and alcohol, and I don't know why my panties were in such a bunch, but that's okay. Uh, so yeah, Sandy's going to be selling uh, medical marijuana here, he says, and he turns out he's selling to not just anybody at random. He's selling to Kentanaka, our football coach. So that's making its mm-hmm. way over to the school, even though Sandy is no longer there. And Will is, uh, he wants no part in this. He, uh, you know, he gets a little bit of an offer here, but no, he wants nothing to do with this. He wants to, uh, to just get out of the store after he, you know, stopped by to give uh, Terry some lunch or whatever he was giving her. Yeah, clearly Sandy Harrison should have been fired for more reasons than one. Mm-hmm. So we move on to Schuster going to go talk to Coach Sue again. And this is when we start to actually see a bit more of who uh, Sue Sylvester is going to turn out to be. Um, he goes to her because he wants more people on the uh, the Glee Club um, in order to, you know, actually have a fully realized club. So he asks if she's willing to refer any of her Cheerios to him. And she pretty much shuts it down. She's like, look, bitch, this is high school. You have cool kids. You have nerds. And that's pretty much it. We're at the top. Cheerios are at the top. They are not about to lower their social status to join some whack-ass glee club that doesn't need that shit that doesn't even it's not even supposed to be in this school and she shuts it down and we're starting to see okay all right claws are coming out she's clearly senses a bit of a threat which is some pretty spot-on intuition on sue's part i must say yeah we're gonna see as time goes on the the relationship between uh sue sylvester and will schuster are is one of the show's most uh iconic relationships besides like any of the the couples or anything like that like these two are going to be linked together for the entire time that they are on the show and they the the show would not be the same without both of them present i i also think that i read somewhere that uh jane lynch was not even originally supposed to be like a permanent role on the show she was supposed to be like a little bit of a guest star or maybe maybe uh like a recurring thing uh but she ended up like a pilot that she was like that's like i feel like that's so common for so many of these characters it is and I wonder why that is. Um, they, uh, it seems like, you know, Ryan Murphy went into the show with an idea of what he wanted it to be. I know that he didn't do auditions in the traditional way of, like, having people come in and audition. Like, he was out on Broadway, like, for months watching people uh, audition. And, you know, that's how we got Matthew Morrison. That's how we got Jenna Ushkowitz and Leah Michelle because they were all in shows over there. And, you know, he brought them all in uh, to come do this show and then kind of built out from there. Uh, Rachel was built around Leah Michelle. Kurt was built around Chris Colfer. So, you know, that's, that seems to be the case with a lot of things that happened on this show and hey it worked so the fact that we were able to get jay lynch on the show uh and you know she portrays this sue sylvester character uh exactly how uh it, it just became you know such an iconic legendary character and these two the dynamic between them is going to only grow from here okay so now we see will schuster pretty much just go into any any lengths and bounds to get anybody to join the glee club and he his next stop on his tour is uh, Ken Tanaka, who is a football coach, pretty much just imploring him to like let him talk to the guys just to see if any of them would be willing to out for the Glee Club because they are in desperate need of a male lead. And so he speaks with all of the uh, football players in the locker room and he asks thing, and the response is pretty, you know, typical of what you might think football players would say about a glee club oh it's gay it's not you know like it's just not my thing and he leaves the sign up sheet on one of the lockers and <laughs> the response is not um 
Not pretty good. Yeah. I mean, this is a school like many others, like probably the ones that both of us attended and probably like many out there where everybody separated into their clubs and the idea of football players joining a a club about singing and dancing uh, is not going to go over too well in most scenarios, especially here. You know, it's uh, you get the the locker room full of guys that at first you're like, oh, uh, maybe maybe is somebody uh, speaking up that they want to join because Puck uh, raises his hand and he says, oh, oh, I can sing. Uh, And you're like, oh, awesome. Like Puck's about to join the Glee Club. But that doesn't make sense. I don't think that happens here. Uh, but no, Puck just runs to the front of the room, stands right next to Will, and uh, lets out a big fart. And uh, that's that's how we're going to get really introduced to Puck here. He's very much one of the bad guys um, in real life and on the show here. Uh, so that's, that's how we're going to meet Puck. Uh, like you said, we put up the sign-up sheet, and Will is just hoping for uh, to catch any fish that he can. That he can. I feel like he would have fared better had he just approached students individually. I mean, we're about to see that, but like, I feel like it's harder to ask all these guys when they're sitting right next to each other in a locker room of all places to, Hey, come and sing and dance with this, uh, in this glee club with me. Like, it's just not, it's just not a good thing. Like you need, if you had separated them maybe and talked to them individually, you might've caught more fish, but it's funny. Cause like what, like in what world would the first place that you go to look for, uh, male singers and dancers be the football team. I mean, I get that like they have to be athletes or they have to be coordinated or in some way. And of course, it makes sense why he goes to the Cheerios. Of, like they're all dancers. Uh, you have to imagine some of them probably uh, could be interested. But the fact that like there's probably uh, a school full of guys and he goes straight to the football team. Like that's his first place to check. Uh, I mean, credit to him because he ends up uh, finding a couple of people in there that will end up joining. But uh, it's still very funny. Yeah, what about the swim team or the lacrosse team or the tennis team or the track team? Does this school really not have a theater department or like theater club? Because that's where he would be generally generally looking, but it seems like that doesn't exist. No, like the once the Glee Club starts, the Glee Club just is pretty much performing arts, and that's it. Like (laughs) handle the musicals, (laughs) the Glee Club, everything. Like Will continues his search. And he hears, when he comes to go check on the, uh, the sign-up sheet in the locker room, he hears somebody singing. And who should it be but the quarterback, Finn Hudson. And he's singing RCA Speedwagon. And he sounds pretty decent, you know? This, um, this is one of the times in the show where the singing isn't and it's not a pre-recorded track. And they're just filming somebody singing um, as is on camera. And he sounds pretty good. You know, I mean, most people sound good in the shower. So I don't know if it was the shower effects, but... I can definitely understand why Mr. Shu would be like, yeah, I got to get this guy on the team. But, I mean, he already said no, along with the rest of his team. So we see some pretty underhanded stuff here with Mr. Shu. Do you want to tell them what happens, Matt? Yeah, so, I mean, this is our introduction to, to Finn Hudson for, like, uh, you know, we've, we've met the rest of the original members of the Glee Club already. They've all auditioned. Uh, but here is one one guy that potentially uh, could come over and help out the Glee Club. And the second that Mr. Shu goes into the locker room and creepily uh, spies on this guy showering while he's you know singing singing himself a nice little song, uh, we you know Shu knows that he's got somebody on his hands that might be able to uh, to help him out here. So what's the natural next step to do? Well, obviously, as a teacher of the school, a Spanish teacher, uh, Glee Club coach, is to take weed. Planted in his locker and 
pull him in and say, hey, uh, we found this in your locker and I don't know what you want to go from here. I don't know what you want to do next, but uh, I have a couple of options and you could either, <laughs> I guess you could serve detention for the next six months and that's going to go on your permanent record. Uh, and you know, you might lose some scholarships and all this kind of stuff, or uh, you could also, and then we get a cut to Finn at the Glee Club singing a song. The fact that Finn was so like so ready to disclose any like information or to take any test, he was willing to take a drug test and pee in a cup. Like, I just felt so bad for the guy. And Schuster is just like so desperate at this point that he is willing to go to any means necessary to acquire any guy for this damn Glee Club. And it's like, damn man, like I mean, you're you're willing to ruin this kid's future just to get him recruited in a Glee Club. Like, I mean, we get to see why. We get a little bit of backstory for Finn as well. I mean, um, it turns out his dad actually passed away because he was in armed services. Um, so his mom raised him alone and didn't really have too much luck with men afterwards. We see this moment of like peace in their child in, in his childhood where his mom starts dating a lawn spraying guy. A, <laughs> yeah. a company's called like Emerald Dreams or something, and they essentially just go around and spray brown ra- brown grass green. Like, is this an actual thing? Do people actually spray their lawns with green paint? Have, have never ever have seen never seen it myself, but it doesn't seem like the worst idea disgusting i mean i, I mean what is that? i feel like that shit has to smell bad too and then what happens when it rains is it just uh, yeah, it's I, mean, I, guess it's not, I guess it's not i guess it's not raining that's why the, the grass is brown in the first place true um but uh yeah so he discovers as he's hanging out with this grass greening guy that he actually likes music he actually um he says in the episode that when he was i'm um, hanging out with this guy this is the first time that he ever actually heard music and of course, they were listening to Journey, and I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to say. And I don't know if you know off the top of your head, but like, do you remember like the earliest time where you were able to like actually be like, "Oh my God!" Like, I'm engaging with this music. Like, I actually am enjoying this music because I can definitely I, I can remember when it was for me. Uh, probably it was probably like age five or six or so, listening to like hit clips in the basement of my uh, my old house. I definitely had, you know, the, the Britney Spears and the NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys, like Aaron Carter, all of those hit clips that would go into that little uh, whatever the hell that was. And I, I remember listening to those those songs and enjoying them. I, the first album that I ever purchased, or at least the first album that I ever asked one of my parents to purchase was freaking Hillary Duff's Metamorphosis. I forget how old I was, but that was the first time that I owned music and I listened to music and I like actually had I, I owned it. I had a copy of it. So I thought that was just kind of interesting that Finn said that because I, ne- I guess I never really thought about it in- until then. Paradise is short-lived because the lawn spraying guy ends up leaving Finn's mom for some dumb blonde and it wrecks Finn uh, Finn's mom all over again. And Finn decides from that point on that he doesn't, he wants to make his mom proud. He- at this point in time where he has to choose whether or not he's going to, to cop to having marijuana in his in his locker or join this stupid glee club it's the glee club and like you said before this is where we see them start to sing their one of their very first songs together which is you're the one that i want from the musical 
Greece. This is the first time that we see Finn and Rachel together. Yes, we, we have the full group of six all here together. They're uh, at some kind of rehearsal where it does seem like this is the first time that Finn has joined up with them. Uh, so the rest of the group is getting their first look at him, and you can tell that everyone's uh, got different reactions. Mercedes immediately is like, oh, hell no, uh, this isn't happening. Not uh, you know, I, I, I want the solos. I'm not letting some dumb white boy come in here and just steal all the solos. And uh, you know, she expresses that uh, to Schuster, and Schuster's like, all right, relax, this is just one song, like, We'll, we're going to keep going. There'll be plenty of songs. Uh, but Kurt, on the other hand, is like, um, but that's the first time that we've actually sounded kind of good. So, you know, there's some mixed reactions here, but, it, you know, there, there's a little bit of improvement going on here. And now we have the whole group together and uh, maybe we'll make some progress from here. Can we talk about like how almost every other line out of Mercedes' mouth this season is held to the no? Um, I was I said this before that I have um, the original script pilot episode that includes characters that have been dropped um, before they actually filmed. And Mercedes, the way that they wrote her is so bad. It is clear that there is no one that is African-American that was in that writer's room because they would have never allowed what was on that original script in the pilot. No, and no, no. I can't say that it's actually too much better with the pilot. I mean... It's very stereotypical, all of the lines that they give Mercedes, and it gets a lot better. And they actually, you know, you know, towards the towards the middle of the series, they actually do um, discuss race to some degree, which is quite pleasing. But like, in one Mercedes is truly a robbed gar- goddess in a lot of ways, like in both like how the story progresses and how the character is written. So I mean, she's, wear- um, uh, she's wearing a basketball jersey for half the season, isn't she? Like right. It's it's like it's like a, where is where is who's the where's the dramaturg? Yeah, and where like you said, is, there's there's you know the the three writers, the main uh, creators and the writers of the show are three white guys. It's uh, Ryan Murphy, Ian Brennan, and Brad Falchuk. Uh, so those three guys pretty much uh, wrote I think every episode in the first season and maybe the second as well. Uh, eventually they they do get a team of writers on board, but for a while it was just them. So uh, Mercedes was completely you know out of hope <laughs> unless she was going to go in there and write her her own character. So we, we've met this uh, this group, uh, now that we have the group of six here, uh, we still are, st- you know, this entire episode is going to be following Will and the coming episodes as well. So uh, we're going to go back to Will's house for a little bit and him and Terry, we get a little bit of insight into their relationship, which is not as great as um, you might expect, or not that you would expect them to be great, but like, you know, the first time we see them, uh, Will goes to visit. Terry at her job and you're like oh maybe they're you know maybe that's uh, this is something that's working out but no uh you get home and Terry is freaking about freaking out about this and that uh and Will is telling her about you know his plans and what he's doing with the glee club and now that Will has this new dream of his and Terry is not interested in it uh it just seems like things are straight downhill I just like I mean she Terry is like getting on his ass about becoming an accountant and I'm like since when can you just apply to be an accountant? Like, you have to go to school. And I, I, I don't know what degree Will got, but I don't think that it has anything to do with accounting. I mean, so he the fact Spanish. Exactly. So, like, why all of a sudden are you expecting him to just be able to apply for an accountant position and he's going to be a, he's going to wake up with a briefcase the next day? Like, it's just it's insane. The, the, the lady is clinically insane mm-hmm. it's ridiculous yeah. she spends their money or the money that they don't even have he's she spends his money because i have to imagine that since she only works three days a week for four hours at that that she is spending his money on pottery barn items which in this universe is like a, a home goods like type store like bed bath and beyond type deal like spending it on like mahogany or what should we say balinese 
tooth or tooth <laughs> toilet brushes. Like it's it's crazy. Like and she wants him to be an accountant so bad and give up his dream about being about you know leading the Glee Club to this grand return. And it's just like you can't help but there are a lot of antagonists this this season. You know Terry being definitely one of them yeah so we'll, we'll get a little bit more into uh, terry and will as the episodes progress because terry is going to be sticking around for a little while uh but as noted she is kind of a crazy person and uh will does not have the greatest situation now at school or uh, or i guess at work or at home um but either, either way uh we do catch back up with the guys yeah puck and finn catch up uh puck is going to ask uh finn about like what he's doing after school i believe um and Finn he makes up this excuse that, like, <laughs> wait, what was the kid he said that he had? He said <laughs> like, that her mom just had surgery uh, and she had to have her prostate taken out. <laughs> and Puck's like, man, that's tough. And Finn's like, yeah, it's, uh, it's engorged. And Puck's like, okay, okay, I guess, uh, sure. I mean, I just want to know, like, what was going on in Finn's life that he knew well enough that, what you know, what a prostate was and that a prostate could develop. Well, clearly, clearly that... he didn't because he just threw out a random word that he that he might have known. It's going to come around <laughs> and bite him later. Um, like, he was in just the in health that... class that day and, and someone said the word prostate and he was like, oh, yeah, she had to take her prostate out. The fact that that puck is also just sort of like. Oh, okay, yeah, sure, that sucks. <laughs> it's like, what, what, okay, so what's, what's the real problem at McKinley High School here? Because it's definitely not the budget. It seems to be the education. <laughs> the education, yeah, that's, that's probably number one. But hey, uh, Principal Figgins is way more concerned about the budget than, than any of these teachers, so. Well, uh, Finn, you know, nearly dodges a bullet here. Um, we move on to uh, Ken Tanaka uh, in the parking lot, tr- uh, stopping Emma just as soon as she's about to leave and trying to ask her out on a date saying he has two tickets for something i forget what it was and <laughs> emma is like you know ken I really need you to catch here like i've told you before that like i was on my period or that i'm like allergic to nighttime all of those things are not true take the hint i'm not interested in dating you and you know again like emma is like portrayed so much more meek toward in like season two and season three that i forget just how much more she seems to have in this season. Um, I mean, of course, you know, sidebarring all of the debilitating OCD of it all, but being able to talk to other people, stand up for herself, is something that I feel like is lost in season two and season three. Um, but she's like, bitch, like, I don't want to date you. Like, it's not, this is not, it's not going to happen. And Ken is just like not having it. And this, once again, Ken Tanaka is disgusting. He knows that she's a neat freak. And so he takes his hand, licks it, and then rubs it all over the car door yeah, fuck um, that guy. she's about to grab before she can leave. Like, he, disgusting. He's terrible. Uh, I, I mean, I'm so glad that, like, not only because his storyline doesn't, like, ever take off in any direction, uh, eventually when we lose Ken Tanaka, the world will be a better place for us and for everybody inside <laughs> this universe. I don't understand in what world. I mean, he seems to know Emma pretty well. He is very interested in her. He is very, like, he, he pays a lot uh, close... As close attention he pays to Emma is like what Emma pays attention to Will. Ken already in a brazen rage then takes out all of his frustration on Will in the teacher's lounge, you know, pretty much saying, well, first of all, fuck you because you didn't really give me a good, you didn't put a good, put in a good word for me with Emma. So there's that. And also, why the hell is Finn on your Glee Club? Like, this is ridiculous. And Mr. She was like, like, I I need, I need guys. Like, I mean, 
it, it is what it is. Like it's just it's just it's just one person so far, and uh, like just deal with it. And Ken is like, you know what? Fine, I'm gonna let the herd, otherwise known as somebody, just take care of this. And a piece of me wonders, like, does he like go ahead and tip off the rest of the the football team? Like, hey, Finn is on the, club, but I need for you guys to handle that because it seemed rather, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> rather pointed aggression yeah absolutely uh, in terms of like Finn, so for sure he's there's no way i mean he's a teacher he can't he can't go like licking finn's car door himself he's gotta gotta, gotta get the kids involved <laughs> yeah so um will um by, by the way what was asha looking for uh some chaperones to accompany him to the vocal adrenaline performance and vocal adrenaline is another glee club in ohio um at carmel high school and they wanted to go and te- check out the competition since they're a new glee club and they're new to the scene and they just want to, you know, get their bearings and everything. And Emma obliges because Emma wants the D. So they go to Carmel and we get to see Rachel and Finn talking about, you know, how they're sort of excited about the glee club and everything and a little bit about the dating life between the two of them. And Finn lets Rachel know that he is indeed already taken and is dating Quinn Fabray, who is the head Cheerio. And this surprises Rachel because she's like, she's captain of the Sella to be club. And I feel like all guys want to bang all the time. So how the hell is this working out? He's, uh, she's not wrong. Quinn is the president of the celibacy club. And uh, they cut to a scene where Quinn is, uh, they're at Quinn's house and Finn's there and they're uh, making out, but then they stop and uh, they're not going to go too far at all with that because uh, Quinn is not going there. So they, they get a, you know, a little bit of introducing themselves to each other because they haven't really ever interacted before. Of course, uh, Finn is on the football team and Rachel is somebody who gets slushied every other minute. Uh, we get a little conversation with Emma and Will. Pretty much just a scene to let us know Emma is very, very, very interested in Will. Will is married and that's sort of what's deterring Emma um, from pursuing anything any further. But there's all CA chemistry share a PB and J together. But they do head into the auditorium to go and watch Vocal Adrenaline's performance of Rehab by Amy Winehouse. And they're thinking, oh, it's not going to be too bad. Of course, they're probably not going to be horrible, but they're not going to be, you know, professional type deal. But nah, bitch, (laughs) you're wrong. So they start and this is like, okay, this is one of the things that I've always sort of hated about is that I'm a big fan of vocal performance. I'm a big fan of musical theater. And one of the reasons why I love musical theater is because there is a lot of singing at the same time. And that requires so much stamina. But the shit that Vocal Adrenaline was doing in that performance, it is physically impossible for them to have sounded that good on that song with that level of choreography. Maybe if some of them were just strictly dancers or singers, maybe. But I feel like we hit the rules later in the season that like you're not allowed. You have Everybody has to sing. No lip singing allowed. So it's just like, I love Glee, but stuff like this always just like burns my ass, especially when they play storylines that are contingent upon the fact that you're not allowed to lip sync. Because this performance was just insane. Uh, you're going to go into a full meltdown if this is something that bothers you. I, I didn't know this about you. I, I just, I just, I mean, I know that it's a TV show. And so, you know, to suspend your disbelief or whatever. But it's just like, if you have parts of the plot that are talking about how you are not allowed to lip sync, and then you have these people doing flips and backflips and all sorts of like high energy shit, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's just like, you're like, follow the theme here, guys. Like, follow the theme. Nevertheless. Fair enough. 
These, these guys are good, though, and uh, as you can see, uh, New Directions kind of shits their pants here, and they are terrified of what they see. Tina says, we're d -d -d doomed, because uh, Tina still has her stutter <laughs> for the remainder of this episode. Yeah, they're terrified here, but we're going to go back to school. We're going to get a, a follow-up on the Finn and Puck uh, conversation from earlier. Puck has gathered with pretty much the entire football team, and they approach Finn and say, uh, Puck's like, uh, so, uh, chicks don't have prostates. I looked it up. You broke the rules, and for that, you must be punished. And they very uh, scary, creepily come up to him with like like all, like six or seven guys that are just holding these paintball guns. Uh, and it's just a weird-looking scene that I didn't love watching. And how are they allowed to have those on campus? How did they get those into school? I have no idea. I mean, like, Ken Tanaka definitely approved it. Or, or you know, like, if they couldn't get in the doors, maybe there was a security guard. Uh, and then Ken came by and was like, uh, you know, told the guy at the uh, sitting at the door to, like, just let him go. Uh, don't worry about it. It's fine. Uh, so that, that's how these guys got in here, I'm sure. Uh, but With I don't know. somehow what no witnesses. Here. As like the freaking steel drum band is like playing like just around the corner. It's nope, just like, but you know, six guys pull out these giant, uh, you know, I mean, uh, we know that it's a paintball gun uh, just from, I guess, watching the show. But like, I would be terrified if I saw this from across the football field. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> you're not supposed to have anything that even resembles a real rifle on school grounds, but... Okay, whatever. I guess that's McKinley. That's that's how they roll over there. And like, he's your quarterback. Like, are you trying to injure him? Like, don't y'all need him? Like, I don't think so. <laughs> like, come on now. Use your brains. Um, Mr. Schuster returns home after shooting bricks from the Vocal Adrenaline concert um, to some very, very good news. Terry is standing there with, I'm hoping, is non-alcoholic champagne um, if, or non-alcoholic sparkling cider, if there's such a thing. Um, and she tells him, oh my goodness, well... I'm preggers. And Mr. Shu doesn't believe her at first. He's like, please don't mess with me. And she's like, like, no, like it I it we got a baby. It's it's coming. And Mr. Shu is just elated, hugging everything, and it's just like, you know, so clearly this is something that Mr. Shu has wanted for a very long time, but it puts him in a very weird spot now because um they can barely survive enough as it is because Terry doesn't really like to work and now they have another mouth to feed on top of the prenatal care that's gonna um they're going to need all the way up till then. So now he has to make the decision on whether or not he's going to leave his teaching position and go for the accounting, which I still don't understand how you can just become an accountant like at the drop of a hat in Ohio, but whatever, or stick with the Glee Club. And in the very next scene, we see that he decides to break it to the kids that he can no longer be their teacher and he has to leave McKinley. Yeah, he's got to go. He gives in his two weeks notice and he says, you know, don't worry guys, I'm going to find you guys a great replacement before I go. And Mercedes is freaking out. She's like, is it because the Carmel kids were so good? Because we could work harder. Uh, no, <laughs> Mercedes, it's, it has nothing to do with uh, the competition. But uh, I mean, yeah, Will is, is having like a whole bunch of crises in this episode. He goes, this, like we said, this entire episode is about his journey. Uh, we go from him doing everything possible, you know, in his, in his will power to uh save the glee club or revive it after what happens to it with uh, with sandy ryerson and then uh, you know he's got stuff going on at home and now uh now that this bombshell was dropped on him that he's having a child uh it's become clear that you know this dream before we get too deep into it let's cut it short because uh we gotta we gotta be realistic here and he's gotta uh gotta get somewhere where he can make more money which like you said is apparently just dropping all of his things to become an accountant so uh will's packing all of his stuff up and he grabs his guitar and uh, he's going to, I guess, get one last <laughs> song in before he leaves the Glee Club forever as he sings, leaving on a jet plane. Any any thoughts on Will's first full performance? I mean, it was, it was, uh, I, you know, 
Leaving on a Jet Plane by John Denver. It was okay performance. I just feel like this is going to be a reoccurring theme throughout the entire series. It's like every 12 episodes we have a Mr. Schuster is leaving to follow some other kind of dream arc. It's just like, it's just, it's just, it's insane to me. But the, guy, the guy's got I mean, a lot it was of stuff it, on, his, uh, on his plate. So kind of what I was talking about before at the beginning of the show where I was like, I just feel like this entire pilot episode was sort of like the blueprint for the rest of the season. Like it, it includes so many story arcs all in one, and yeah, I mean he's uh about to leave on that on that jet plane to become an accountant. Mm-hmm. I guess is what we're supposed to get from here. Yeah. Um, during this montage, actually, in the teachers' lounge, Emma overhears a bunch of the other teachers talking about, "Oh yeah, like he put his two weeks in," because I guess that's all these teachers have to talk about is one another. Um, and she looks very concerned. Yeah. And one of, the, one of them says that he's having a baby and mm-hmm. she's, you know, obviously freaking up. So she's uh, she's going to catch up with him as soon as she can. And she's like, oh, hey, I, you need any help grading those papers? And he's like, actually, uh, it's an application for a new job uh, that's hiring. So I have to go, but I'll miss you. And she's like, wait, can you do me a favor? Uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, sure. He's like, she's like, well, I made an appointment for you tomorrow in the career center. You need some guidance. And mm-hmm. Will is very confused. He's like, I'm, I'm having a kid. Uh, what do you what do you think I need here? I, I need to get to a better job. I need better benefits. Uh, you know, I just can't be working here anymore. Uh, Emma, Emma's not going to give up so easily. I mean, she's really, I mean, I love that she is so supportive of him and clearly wants the best for him. But she's really overstepping here. Like, I mean, the guy's about to have a child. Like, what he really needs to do is, you know, stick with a job that he, he thinks is not going to pay him well enough, especially when the school is cutting budgets left and right. Like, I mean, you know, jump ship when you can, but the romance of it all sucks us back in. So uh, there's that. Rachel confronts Finn in the hallway saying like, hey, you didn't show up to Glee rehearsal. Finn is under the impression that since Mr. Shu is gone, that Glee Club is over. But of course, Rachel's like, bitch, I've taken over. I'm interim director. We need you. Like, we we, we really need you. We sounded good with you there. Quinn and Santana come up and they're like, why the hell are you talking to her? Finn and his dumb ass can't think of anything to say. Rachel covers for him. Says like, hey, he's my science partner. So we have a project together. That gets them off their backs. And pretty much Rachel just says like, look, like, you're talented. You cannot care what other people think in this school. You're better than all of them. You really should stick with Glee. You're good at it. Like, come on, we together. But we uh, we move on to uh, Finn and Puck on the football field. And Puck pretty much saying, like, look, man, you screwed up. And I can't believe that you would do something like that. And Finn's like, get off my back. Like, I was Mr. Shu. I was about to fill his Spanish class. And he told me that if I signed up for Glee Club, I could, you know, get some extra credit and put it towards my grade. And, uh... Puck is like, all right, so, I mean, I believe you. So if everything is back to normal, then how about you come over here and see what we got? We got you a present. And the present is Artie locked inside of a porta potty, and they want Finn to do the honors of being the first one to flip the porta potty over. What is wrong with these people? What is wrong? I mean, we hurt going into a dumpster. Now people are, like, throwing slushies in people's faces. They're paintballing each other in in broad daylight. And now they're putting, like, all I can think about is coronavirus. This whole episode, coronavirus. <laughs> like, what the hell? It's so disgusting because there's, there's human feces and pee inside there. And you want to flip him on. And then what happens afterwards? Do you, like, how is no one going to get in trouble for this? Like, it's just, it makes no sense. Why is there this, a porta potty out there the anyway? Right? I didn't have porta potties right? just chilling outside my school. Like, by the football field, there was, like, a little building that had bathrooms in it. 
I mean, maybe maybe for football games, so people don't have to go inside. No, but like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. We had a little building that had bathrooms in it. We didn't have porta potties out there. Like whatever. Uh, <laughs> sucks to be Artie because uh, he had no control over this. And not only like you like we saw them earlier. Uh, they obviously dump Finn, uh, not Finn. I'm sorry. They dump uh, Kurt in a, in a dumpster earlier on, and that's what these guys do. They slushy people. They throw people in dumpsters. That's what the football team does. But to take the kid in a wheelchair, call him a loser, and put him in a porta potty, like. I get that these kids are supposed to be terrible. Taking a kid in a wheelchair and locking him in a porta potty with intentions to flip it upside down or or knock it over. Like I don't understand uh, why anyone thought this was okay. And neither does Finn because he decides to do the honorable thing. And it's not even a question there, right? for him. He, he it's not even like he sits there and debates it for a second. Like the second he realizes what's going on and the fact that Artie's in there, he opens the door, takes him out, and and you know the two of them head off to the Glee Club. And uh, you know he makes it clear to Puck and to the rest of the football team. Uh, you know what? This isn't. This isn't. I'm not here for this. We're all losers. Everyone in the school is a loser. Uh, so whatever you guys want to say, that's fine. But I'm not turning my back on something that actually made me happy uh, for the first time in my sorry life. So he's gonna head off to the Glee Club with Artie, and uh, that's. This is like the turning point where Finn has made his decision. Uh, he's either going to do the Glee Club or he's, you know, or he'll do both. Maybe if he decides that later on. But for now, he's going back to the place that made him happy. And so we get to see the Emerald Dreams uh, lawn spraying guy again. Um, but this time he's on the football field and Finn is watching as he's jamming out to Journey's Don't Stop Believing. And I could never tell if this was like a hallucination fever dream type deal or if the Emo Dreams guy is actually still there because he has his blonde date. They, they both look like they haven't aged too much, but I was under the assumption that when they first met, like Finn was like much younger because Finn's like, what, a sophomore now? So he's like, what, 15, 16. I was under the impression that he met this guy when he was like eight, nine like it had been some time since they'd seen each other well no yeah so i wasn't really sure you were under the uh, the right impression like he was literally like we saw little finn uh and he was you know spraying spray painting the the lawn green with this guy uh as he was literally a child and now finn is a high school sophomore so it has been at least 10 years if not more uh so obviously uh something weird's going on here but yeah i get but i guess the point of it was that he had a moment of inspiration and at that point, he decided he was going to go ahead and stick with the Glee kids. Um, he returned to the auditorium where they are having a closed rehearsal doing nothing because they're just standing around in a circle. Finn is like, look, know that I haven't been the best person. I know that I um, have participated in the bullying of almost all of you, but I like Glee Club. I'm happy here, and I really think that we could turn this into something really, really special, pretty much giving them... A pep talk. And I thought it was kind of funny because he sort of assigned all of them a role. Um, he was going to give uh, Rachel choreography, which, like, okay, I guess. Yeah, that's, um, that's what we know Rachel being uh, the, the expert choreographer. Nothing to do with, like, just the fact that she's a killer vocalist or anything. Right, right. And Mercedes is on costumes, I guess, because she's the most fashionable. Um, Artie is, uh, ha he plays the guitar. I guess he's also in the jazz band because he asks Artie to, to incorporate the jazz band. And I guess they just sign a blood oath for it because that jazz band does not leave that quiet room under any circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, Finn is in charge of the music. I guess Kurt doesn't get anything. And no, Tina I, how would Kurt not get the costumes? You would think that like, you know, stereotypical Finn's coming from uh, the world that he's coming in. He would have automatically come in and say, hey, Kurt, costumes. Uh, but no, right? I, guess, I guess Mercedes got They just got breezed that. right over him. I mean, even Tina gets to bring her stutter. So like, I mean, it's sort <laughs> of like, okay, you're really, uh, really uh, delegating well here, Finn. 
<laughs> off to a great start. Yeah, so these guys are, are you know, gelling again. Now we're, we have the six back together, even though they temporarily had a little bit of a shakeup. And we have all of the ingredients for the uh, the kids in the Glee Club, but the teacher or their coach is still on his way out. So we got to figure out what's going on there. Emma is what's going on there. She decides to show Will an old video of the Glee Club of McKinley singing, I think it was Le, uh, Le Freak <laughs> um, back in the 70s. Um, and Will was a part of the Glee Club in the 70s in that very same performance. It makes him tear up like the sappy man child that we all know and love. Um, and she asks him why he's crying. And he's like, well, this is the greatest moment of my life. And she just says, why? And he's like, because I was doing something that I loved. And she's like, okay, well, bitch, wake up. Like, so you're about to leave this position to go and be an accountant and be miserable just so that you can make some extra money where you already have a job here that you love and it's going to make you happy. So, like, think about it. Like, you just did all this work to bring this Glee Club back together in the first place. Why would you go ahead and then leave? Really starts to get through to him um, as he uh, walks out, I guess, presumably home. But here's some singing in the auditorium and the new directions have uh come together without him to perform the most iconic number in all of glee history don't start believing or don't stop believing <laughs> don't stop believing yes like uh, the most iconic number in their history obviously people have favorite songs from over the years this one is the one that everybody knows when you think of glee when you think of performances that they've done don't stop believing is at the top of the list when i did that bracket recently it made a much deeper run than i expected it to didn't go all the way but uh i mean as much as it is iconic and I, that's why i mean that's why it made the bracket that's why i have it high in my list uh it's nowhere near one of my favorite glee performances but it's hard to ignore the fact that it is such an iconic number and you know you don't have to listen to it every time that you listen to your glee playlist but when you play it like every once in a while once every few months you just kind of can go back to that moment where yeah you know you realized that this was this was a good show this was a good group of kids that were coming together and something was about to happen here uh, that was going to be truly special because all six of them have a great time with this song we see a couple people watching in we see the cheerios uh you know santana and quinn and sue are watching from the rafters and they're you know they're obviously aware that uh, uh, uh oh this is going to be something here puck is watching from one of the doors and he's like uh you can tell he's a little bit interested in what's going on here and then of course will is uh comes into the room and watches the entire performance and completely you know on top of what emma was just saying to him uh will has now you know reversed his decision and uh, and will staying he is staying and uh they end the uh the number uh surprised at the fact at the fact that he is still there and he pretty much just says, like, hey, guys, like, I think that if we work at this, we could really make something special. And let's start this thing from the top. And that concludes the pilot episode of Glee, baby. Glee. So you said you haven't watched it in a while, right? Was it like what you remembered? Was there anything that you were like, what the hell? I don't remember this at all. I completely forgot about the whole Emerald Dreams guy um, and Finn's mom and everything. Uh, because we see a, uh, one of the things that I forgot about was uh, Rachel's parents as well. Like I knew that she had two gay dads, but I have forgotten specifically that because if you look in the locker that she has in the episode, it's a black guy and it's a white guy. But the actors change when we eventually meet her dads in person in season three. So I'd forgotten about that. Um, but I was very surprised to see that like Glee or um, Finn's mom 
the, the actress is pretty much the same actress for the entire yeah. series because I couldn't remember uh, what she looked like in season one. So um, that was kind of surprising. I definitely teared up towards the end of the episode where they started singing Don't Stop Believing because it sort of just like really took me back. Um, and it's just, you know, it's amazing to see like sort of like how it's just the five of them or the six of them and then how it grows into this gigantic thing so it was um it was definitely heartwarming and i also completely forget about Ten- ken tanaka i think i just <laughs> repressed memories of him because yeah like i said he's just not yeah, a we, we all want to forget character. about him um <laughs> yeah. i i would say the things that i took away from watching this episode again is just the fact that like a lot of things get set up super early in this show that you don't even realize got set up from like right at the jump I don't even remember Emma being like as big of a player, uh, you know, as she actually was uh, in Me this neither. First episode. It, you know, she's very much involved in in what what goes on here. So I mean, she's like really responsible for the fact that the Glee Club really even exists. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just you know once you get into the swing of the show and you've been watching it for years at a time, I think you sort of just you literally take all these things for granted, and you're just so used to the current arcs of the characters that you just you just think that it's always been that way, but then when you go back, it's like, oh wow, like this is, you know, this is obviously this is the beginning of it all, and this is how early all of this shit was set up. So I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. So and, yeah, uh, let's. Do, you wanted to play a game, I believe, right? That we want to, not a game, but uh, you you wanted to take. Uh, maybe maybe we'll do this going forward, where we try to guess each other's favorite number of the episode. Yeah, so I feel like I just kind of spoiled mine, but that's fine. Um, well, we had a few. We had a few numbers in this. In this. In this episode, not all of them have been released as singles, uh, but I'll just go down the list of what we got here. We got uh, On My Own from Les Miserables, sang by Rachel. We got Respect by Aretha Franklin, sang by Mercedes. Mr. Cellophane from Chicago, sang by Kurt. I Kissed a Girl, sang by, or sung by Tina. Sit Down Your Rock in the Boat from Guys and Dolls by The New Directions. You're the One That I Want by The New Directions. Rehab, Vocal Adrenaline. Leaving on a Jet Plane, sung by Mr. Will Schuster, and then Don't Stop Believing from the New Directions. And I'm going to go ahead and guess that your favorite song from this episode is... I mean, I feel like I just have to go with Don't Stop Believing. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably have more fun with this when it's not so obvious. I mean, there's, right. it's not like any of these other songs are bad or anything like that, but it's uh, one iconic song in the episode and then a couple of others that are part of the episode, I guess. So I think we're probably safe to say this uh, this game will be more fun later on, but Don't Stop Believing is probably going to be our pick uh, for both of us here. Um, do, you ha- do you have any idea of where you would want to give your gold star for this first episode of the season? She'll put a gold star by her name uh, every time she signs her name because a gold star okay. is a metaphor for her being a star so who was the star of this episode i i think i'm gonna go ahead and say finn because uh, you know he's uh, he's a jock that obviously is not down with the way that things are run at the school and i mean he when puck is having that conversation with him saying like why do you want to be with those losers and he's like got like we're all losers like he's a very self-aware person. And I think that he's been like that for a long time, and I just, I just like the fact that we got so much backstory with him, and, um, and the fact that he was able to save Artie from that situation and and pull the Glee Club together. Uh, I think it just, I, I got to give it to him. 
Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, and I like that you went to Finn on that because I think that's a good pick, but it's not where I was going. So I'm glad that we're going to give out uh, to two different people here because my gold star is going to go to Emma Pillsbury, who, as we just mentioned, uh, might be the reason, like the sole reason why the Glee Club uh, ends up like staying together. I mean, it's nice that the, t- the six of them came together on their own, uh, even without thinking th- or with thinking that Will was gone at this point. Uh, but they do need a coach. And as you know, <laughs> we will get into the... the uh, p- problems with Will Schuster as a person and as a teacher. Uh, plenty to come on that, but uh, they do need someone to be in charge. Will was the one who put this all together, uh, and having him at least help them, you know, stick together as a club uh, will be super important, and Emma was the one who kind of reined him back in as he was on his way out the door, so I'm uh, going to give Emma the gold star for that. Plus, I mean, she's been through enough. I mean, I, I, I liked I liked this episode. I liked um, how everything was set up and I just it just made me very very excited to go ahead and actually I had to like stop myself from watching episode two because like, I don't I didn't I wasn't sure when we were going to cover the next one so I was like let me stop now yeah. before I go down a rabbit hole and then I have to go back and rewatch everything again um, to be prepared for the podcast but yeah it's it, this is going to be fun I'm glad that we are doing this Matt and I hope that everyone that is listening is having just as much fun listening to us talk about Glee what um what would you give this episode, the slushy rating? All right. So for the slushy ratings, just to remind everybody, it's going to be uh, a rating out of five, five being this episode was terrible or, uh, you know, zero being it was a perfect episode. Of, I think personally, I would give this episode, let's go, I would say one slushy. I feel like it's definitely not a perfect uh, execution here, but they get pretty much everything, you know, as, as good as can be. I feel like it's, it is a little bit too heavy on the Will Schuster, uh, and maybe we could have gotten a little bit more about getting to know the kids. I'm sure, you know, of course that's going to come, uh, in the next right. few episodes, but I don't know if we needed to have the entire Will Schuster story told in this first episode, but, uh, maybe that's the direction they thought they were going to go with it, right? You know, whatever. Uh, so I would give it one. Yeah, I would give it one for the exact same reason. I felt like we don't really get a lot. The the other uh, Glee Club members are just uh, whittled down to just us having to understand their personalities just after a few lines. And I just think that, that sort of does a disservice. Also, the antagonist of the season is sort of like all over the place. Is it is it is it, is it Terry? Is it Sue? Is it Figgins? Is it the Cheerios? Is it Puck? Like, it's sort of all over the place. And I feel like it's, you know, it is the pilot episode, so you have to, you know, get as many characters as you can in there. But I do think that it wasn't as concise as it could have been. So, um, yeah, I would have to give this episode just one little slushy to the face. All right. But it'll be a blue slushy then, not the red one. Yeah, I mean, you get to pick whatever color you want. If you're the one that's doing the slushying, I think you're the one that, you know, you go to the Seven uh, Eleven or whatever it is in this Glee universe and uh, you fill it up with whatever you want to. Because maybe then again, I think we might have had slushies in the uh, like the school snack counter. So maybe they just we did. There. So that's probably we did in middle it, school. Yeah. Definitely. They're not going all the way to Seven Eleven. Uh, so that's that's all we got, I think, for this episode. It's uh, episode one in the books. Episode two should be in your feed along with probably a bunch of other episodes at this point. So uh, we will see you guys over there on episode two. We'll see you guys there.